Okay, our friends, uh, we are ready to rock and roll on yet another episode of V8 Radio, and this one is... Mind-boggling, Kevin. (laughs) It's a mind-boggling episode of V8 Radio. Well... Aren't they all in some way? <laughs> indeed, indeed they are. <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin Osi, joined as always by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cubal Clark. Hey, hey, what's up? Who is uh, who's brought a new dimension to the show tonight, which uh, is pretty impressive. This is behind the wheel with Cubal, because <laughs> <laughs> he is sitting in the front seat of his GTO as we speak. Oh, I forgot what it looked like in here for Pete's sake. I'm I'm seeing all kinds of new elements of my interior that I completely forgot about. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's it's a shame is what it is, but well, it's, it's nice to be sitting in here at least. Been a few minutes since you drove it. <laughs> I'd say a few. I mean not that long, what, two and a half years maybe? Uh thereabouts. Yeah. About two and a half. Yeah. That's about right. And, you know, you, you can be truthful with us. There are times when you go in the garage and just sit in it, so you can't act like it's been that long. <laughs> not Believe it or not, not that often. But uh, I did do it, uh, I think, last week just for a few minutes just to kind of get acclimated. But but to be honest with you, before then, probably probably at least six months wow. before I sat in this thing. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, – it's, it's not right. It's not right. <laughs> well, I do find that, uh, you know, big old comfortable cars, for me, are a nice place to make a phone call, you know, if you're in the garage, because you right. can kind of kick back and it's, you know, nobody's going to disturb you and whatnot. And uh, cars that have good audio systems, I enjoy spending a lot of time in without going anywhere. Oh, boy, howdy. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a nice thing. So, unfortunately, your situation is a little bit different because you're not able to turn the key and hear the the engine come to right. life yet yeah the o- the only audio system in here is me going <laughs> believe me I've, I've been there too <laughs> well if you're a uh, frequent listener to v8 radio which uh i'm gonna say almost many people are now which is cool we appreciate that yeah. Uh, you know that uh, we start these episodes off with some automotive-related trivia question. And uh, recently, they've been kind of all over the place. I, I think I got one this time that um, I think you're going to dig. So, Okay. Do, all right, cool. Do you, uh, do you have one prepared? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. Um, all right, I'll, I'll lay it out there. Um, for whatever reason today i was thinking about uh uh, the environment and air quality and the effect that emission controls have had on the environment over the years since they were implemented um so what i'm going to ask you is what was if not one of what was the first piece of pollution control device used in cars and i'll give you a bonus question if you can tell me a bonus uh point if you can tell me the year well, uh, that's a great question. Is that in the United States? Yeah. Uh, yes, I apologize. Yes, in the United States. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to say one of the... The term emissions equipment is kind of broad. Well, we'll, we'll call it pollution control. Sure. Um, which is what they called it. Um, but it was a, a specific device that started was on cars and, and I'll even narrow it down a little bit more for you. The first state to to uh put this out was California. Yep. yep, who, yep you yep. know, typically leads the nation in emission standards. Well to paint with broad strokes, I'm going to say it was the air injection pump, which is a belt driven device that had uh fresh air being pumped in through a series of tubes into the exhaust manifolds mm-hmm. on uh on Chevrolet cars first is what I saw, you know, in the in the late sixties. Uh interestingly enough, a lot of your your normal cars that are associated with going fast, like your your big block uh four twenty seven Yanko cars had had smog pumps on them. Hmm. And you wouldn't think that because most racers that was the first thing to go. Right. Yeah, in fact nowadays if you find a restored car with a a proper air pump on it and, and, and have it functioning. That's 
a pretty rare sight. Yes. So that that's one, but but I'm going to go I, I'm going to say that that's my answer knowing though okay. that there are other pieces that are considered emissions control equipment like uh-huh. uh, the EGR valve uh-huh. uh, and the PCV valve is, uh-huh. is, are also the thermactor uh, device in the air right. cleaner was designed to help them heat up quicker to not burn the rich mixture so much. That was also a drivability thing. So, I mean, right. there are things that you don't really think of as emissions devices that kind uh-huh. of were, that might have been before that. But uh, for the sake of brevity and to not torture our poor, almost <laughs> almost many listeners. <laughs> We're on the precipice of uh, many listeners. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say the, uh, the air pump is what you're going for this time. Okay, air pump it is. Let me uh, we'll write this down. Air pump. And there we go. <clears throat> All right. All right, what do you got for me? Okay, uh, this is... Um, an option that was found on the 1958 Pontiac. It was also found on other cars of the General Motors uh, in the General Motors family, and uh-huh. and a few other years too. I think this is 59 and 60 or 58, 59 and 60 maybe, but uh-huh. but definitely on the 58 Pontiacs. Uh, I'm going to give you the name of the option, and oh. you you tell me what you think it is. Oh, all right. Or, I like this or, one. or you tell me exactly what it is because you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, what was the sportable option? <laughs> you are something else. The sportable option, also known as Richard, also known as Dick. <laughs> oh, the sportable option. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'll, I'll come clean 100%. I had no idea this existed until about an hour ago. I had no idea this existed until 20 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, um, it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, uh, when, when we get there, we'll... Um, all right. Um, the sportable option. I will... It, it, and it began... It first debuted in the 1958 Pontiacs. Yes, it was an option in 58 Pontiacs. Oldsmobile had one under a different name, but the same thing. Okay. And, Do you know what the Oldsmobile name was? Um, or or I, will that give it away? It might give it away. Um, okay. But, I certainly don't want that. The, the interesting thing, yeah, the the, uh, the Oldsmobile one will give it away. Oh, okay. Uh, but interestingly, we, we had talked about this this thing on a previous episode in this exact same thing, basically, in a different generation of car. And I'm not saying that this is going to help you at all. I just, it's just, it's trivia about the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Okay, <laughs> trivia about the trivia. Oh, we've gone we've gone inception on the show, folks. Uh, yes. Trivia within a trivia within the trivia. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, the sportable option. Oh boy. Um. Oh man. I. I okay. For also for the sake of brevity, <laughs> I will say it was. Uh, Powered quarter vent windows. The power vent windows. <laughs> well, I just want to throw uh, that. That was <laughs> that was an option. I think they called those power quarter windows. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh no, but you're right though. You know, in those days, GM had a name for everything. You know, yeah, because that's how they hyped it up to sell it. Mm-hmm. So I let me uh, we'll, we'll note that and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny you say that. Uh, I remember I was talking with uh, with Jim Wangers uh, one time at a, at our Cruise and Tigers uh, show. I was driving driving him around. He was doing his top five picks of the show, and I was driving him around on the golf cart when he was looking at the cars and making his choices, and I was writing them down for him. And uh, hmm. we drove by a car that had. Uh, deluxe wheel covers mm-hmm. and uh he says he's like D- 
deluxe wheel covers. That was just a fancy word we had for hubcaps. That's it. That's I'm like, it. I'm like, that, that sounds about right. Jim. And, and you were in the golf cart with a guy that probably named him. Yeah, he probably did. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must so, have been a fun ride. With, uh, with it, it was. It was really neat. It was really neat. I'm glad I got to do that. So I had a lot when we were at a meeting and uh, they asked me to do that. Some of the other guys were like, hey, hey you know, if, if you can't do it, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and do it for you. Yeah. I'm like, it's OK, guys. I can I can do this. <clears throat> right, so right. Everybody wanted to do that. Oh, I bet. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I had a similar experience with uh, the golf cart. This was at the Carcraft Summer Nationals in um Minneapolis, St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota, a couple of years ago. Except my my uh, golf cart passenger was Linda Vaughn. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss her shifter herself. Yeah, we didn't talk about deluxe wheel covers. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but oh she's, lord! She, but she's great. Yeah, I've I, I, I met her. I met her once too. She's quite a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice person and uh, lots of fun stories. And when you're, when you're Linda Vaughn, no matter what, you are always the center of attention and she knows how yeah. to play that up in a uh-huh. manner, in a manner that is uh, palatable, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because every, sure. everybody expects, you know, some magic to happen and she'll just spin off on some funny little story about some person and with that little Southern charm and, mm-hmm. you know, boom, it's a nice experience yeah. for everyone. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I enjoy that too. That's that's cool. I'm glad you got to do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, now that we got the uh, trivia about the trivia out yep. of the way, uh, <laughs> yeah. What uh, what what's been happening? Well, uh, not a whole lot, man. Uh, I've yet to get back out to see Randy to uh, to do any engine work. I really want to get the get the bottom end buttoned up you know i just gotta get the oil pump on and and the 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 what you call it the uh dipstick tube extension that goes inside the oil pan and then get the windows tray on and get the oil pan uh bolted up so i just have not had two minutes to get out there and do that he's been busy i've been busy it's mm-hmm, just been mm-hmm. yep. you know logistically it's been not good so well it's a tough time of the year you know your kids are in school and in activities and everything else and... yep yeah they are in a lot of a lot of activities like i i was you know when i was talking with you the other day and i uh, said we've I, we've become one of those busy parents it's, <laughs> it's it not happened before i mean these kids are they're getting older they're they're getting into a lot of uh a lot of activities and doing things and wanting to go places and you know as a parent you got to be there to do it so there you go mm-hmm it's too bad they don't have an interest in that GTO. You know, you wouldn't have to drive them very far. You could just put them in the garage. <laughs> and say, uh, yeah, get, put them to work. Get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, kids. Today we're going to put the, some uh, motor mounts in. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we really, Daddy? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, you're the best, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother. Well, that's cool, though. You know, it's good that they're they're involved and uh, that there is a lot going on. And, you know, it's good that you and your wife are stand-up parents that are willing yeah. to put the time in to help them out and all that jazz and the yeah. unfortunate side effect is a little more delay in the gto but that's all it's all good it'll get there yeah that's that's fine i mean they're the number one priority and you know you know keeping the house together and keeping the family together is is number one yeah you know the car will wait the car will always be there so. otherwise you know your seating position would become your house you know you'd end up <laughs> you'd get thrown out and have to live in that thing <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Holy may. that would yeah. be rough. Well, we had an interesting uh, experience at the shop this past week. Um, really, we had a uh, not not a failure, but but kind of a failure, but but an interesting one. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have a customer who has a '69 Chevelle, and he had this car uh, restored and modified somewhere else at a, at another shop, and when he got it. He picked it up from this other shop. There was a few things he didn't like about it, so he ended up sending it to our shop. And our team last year, I guess, uh, did a bunch of work on it. We found that uh, 
the clutch and the five-speed transmission were out of alignment with the big block Chevy engine, and it was oh. causing a, a bind in the clutch pedal operation. And, you know, a little, little what we call the 5%, the last 5% of building a car that literally takes half the time, you know, to sort all <laughs> yeah. that stuff out. And uh, we got everything sorted out, and it's a, uh, it was a, a big block Chevy with a, an MSD atomic fuel injection system and some good suspension parts, some Hotchkiss parts, and, and good cool. brakes and stuff. Nice car. Yeah. So we send it home, and he drives it for a little bit and, and determines he wants some more power. Okay. So he sends it back to us, and we uh, uh, kind of worked uh, an arrangement with our friend Graham Jones uh, of Fast Times Motorworks, not terribly far from you in, in, uh, in one of the Chicago suburbs. Right. And uh, I had talked to Graham, and I said, hey, I got a customer who's looking for a, uh, a big block that makes some good torque. And he said, you know, I, I actually have some stuff here that I could put something together with because Graham normally, he's, he builds a lot of race engines. In fact, uh, if you've seen uh, the Street Outlaws program, there's a guy with an El oh, Camino sure. Kamikaze Chris. Yeah. That's a Fast yeah. Times motor. And, oh, no and, kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, Fast Times has a really, really long, rich history of winning a lot of races. They, Jeff D'Agostino was the yeah. engine builder who built Nick Scavo's motors and, and right. you know, lots of stuff over the years. So Graham has taken it over a few years ago and... So anyway, he, he accumulates some parts and he said, hey, I can put something together that'll probably make, you know, 600 foot pounds and, and still be streetable. And, and we said, that's, that's killer. It's what this guy wants. Uh-huh. So we had uh, Graham build the engine and get it all buttoned up and painted and ship it to us in a crate. And then we just basically dropped it in, you know, swapped out the other one and, and went to town. And where the interesting part comes in, we seem to have an oil pressure problem. And uh, it was unusual because, you know, we didn't anticipate an oil pressure problem. We had oil pressure a little bit lower than what we expected at idle once it warmed up. And, mm-hmm. and we contacted Graham, and, and uh, he, he built the engine with tolerances for 2050 oil. So we didn't have 2050 in it. We had a break-in, uh, uh. like a 1030 or something. So we drained that, put 2050 in, and it, it picked up just a, a little bit of pressure, you know, but nothing... So something, Trevor felt something didn't seem right. Uh He suspected that maybe the bypass valve was hanging up on the oil pump. Okay. Uh, So the only problem was in order to determine if that was going to be, there is a trick where you can do, you can kind of tap on the, on the distributor shaft, which might trans, trans, you know, mit some vibration down through the shaft and into the oil pump drive. And it might pop that valve loose if it's stuck and it didn't do that so uh, in order to to properly assess this we had to pull the pan which meant we had to lift the engine up a little bit and blah 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 but we think we found the uh the fly in the ointment here and this car has a road race style oil pan on it with uh articulating trap doors and and everything in the pan oh yeah one of those trap doors had unwelded itself from the bottom of the pan and was blocking part of our oil pump pickup believe that yikes that is that's one in a million man it was crazy yeah it's something that you'd never expect and you look at the pan and these two little tack welds were were just completely broken and that flapper door was just dangling down there and floating around and the clearance between the oil pump pickup and the bottom of the pan is big enough to where it was starting to pick that trap door up. Oh, starting to suck it up there, huh? With the, right. the intake of the and, oil. And, okay. And it was restricting part of the screen. It didn't hurt the engine. It, it wasn't, you know, Thank zero God. oil pressure or anything that was causing right. clatters or anything like that. But, right. uh, but that was, uh, that, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of relief when you can open something up and see a problem right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's very helpful. Yeah, but you know, so, you can you can imagine kind of the speculation it took to kind of get there and we were thinking of all the possible things, you know, what could this be? That wasn't one of them. No, I bet I bet nobody thought of that. Mhm. Mhm. That is crazy. So what did you, did you just weld it back on and um yes, I believe uh that was the course of action to get it all straightened out. Um uh-huh. It's uh, it's. I think it's actually gonna fire tomorrow. So, 
Uh, nice. It, it isn't uh, 100% back together yet, but we're, we're, we're pretty confident that that's what it was. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I bet that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So what, what do you remember what the pressure was reading? Um, it was like uh, at, a, at a cold, well, at a hot idle, it was down around 22 pounds where it should have been, which, you know, sounds pretty strong for a, you know, like a real hot, regular driven old car. But this is uh-huh. an engine that should have been about 40 pounds, you know, okay. at, at idle. So it's, uh, it's back up there. And uh, it's funny, as we're talking about this, I, I think actually Trevor got it running today because I remember him saying that he got pressure back up. So, oh, yeah. Well, all right, Trevor. Yeah, I think that is fixed. Sweet. It's been one of those days. I'm a little tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I've had, I've had a long day myself. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, did, you, did you make any more leeway on that LT4 um, wide open throttle issue? We are still chasing that down. Um, we've done a few things. Uh, I don't know exactly where it stands. We still don't have an answer, but uh-huh. the communication process has been a little bit slow with, uh, uh-huh. with, with GM and with a couple other people. But, huh. you know, that, that brings up another topic that I saw. Uh, was it? yesterday or today i think yesterday maybe that uh the, the parent company of uh bully dog and sct tuners oh yeah just got fined like six million dollars uh for selling devices that alter the calibration of a factory programmed car right right and this is kind of spooky in many different ways. And I think what the, what the judgment was, and what we're talking about here is if you, know, if you go out and you buy a brand new uh, a Dodge Challenger or a new Camaro, or even if you have a car that's a few years old, there are companies that sell tuning products that allow you to tune the car, um, change the calibration a little bit, get more performance and, and whatnot. And... Mm-hmm. It's a common thing, you know, if you change the air intake tube and the exhaust on the car today, you have to retune it, you know, because all right. those characteristics really, really matter. And there's fine print on a lot of these devices that says these products are not for sale or use in California, or they right. say not for use on public highways, um, or they might have a, um, an emissions compliant um, exemption. The ca- uh-huh. California Air Research Board exemption or, or an EPA thing, uh-huh. which means they're okay. Right. And, and Bully Dog and SCT are two of the two top names in the industry. And they've been selling these things for a long, long time. And all of a sudden, the government came down on them saying that if you install one of these tunes, essentially you, you are defeating the emission system. And, mm-hmm. and possibly turning off that I think what I read is it said turning off the catalytic converters, which I'm not really sure how you do that. But that's that's what the article said, and maybe the person who wrote the article knows nothing of this, which is possible. Oh, yeah, for sure possible. I, I've written many that I knew nothing about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. They they find them for it, and they I, I'm not sure what the the the, the restitution is going to be. The scary part is, I think we saw this happen. Well, most recently was VW, you know, with their yeah. um, diesel cars, and they you know intentionally misled the government right. with their calibration to make them pass an emissions test. Mm-hmm. This is kind of not that, um, but it is technically kind of tampering with a with calibration and what Trevor pointed out is that uh, they they went after people who are buying something that the manufacturer clearly states you know potentially this is not not legal right for it's off-road use only yes right right and and, and there might be some some language that it, it's okay um, on road, uh-huh. uh, I know like a lot of the diesel tuners, they don't have those 
disclaimers in them at all because the the legality of diesel tuning is far different from gasoline. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think it's about the first time we're seeing the government going after an aftermarket business to that degree. Oh boy. Yeah, and and, and that's the part that's a little spooky because they certainly mandate things and and you know we've had people call our shop and say hey i've got this late model camaro can you uh put a straight pipe exhaust on it and ditch the catalytic converters to which we say uh-huh. absolutely not you know i i can't touch one of those things that's a that's a federal federal crime right. but it's uh-huh. not you know at least yesterday it wasn't a federal crime to tune a car and right. I, I, so I don't know if they called out specifically a, a type of calibration that has proof of altering the emissions, you know, profile of the vehicle. But uh-huh. but most of the tunes make them run cleaner in many ways. Uh, so I, I got to wait and see what happens with this one. Yeah, this is this is really interesting. I mean, the. The, I think the 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 wording states implicitly that that this is for off road use only. But I mean, also, how many people, if they get their vehicle tuned by a bully dog, how many actually only use it for off road? Right. I t- I'd say very little. Correct. And that's I I bet you that's the angle the government's using to go after them. It's like yeah, you say this, but we all know that nobody's going to be off-road with these. You sell too many of them for them to, to, for people to only use these for off-road vehicles or right. racing vehicles or, or, or whatever. So well, so then it then it becomes it becomes deeper because, say for example, that product then is technically illegal. Well, if you're the manufacturer, and you you take your your SCT tuning device and you put it on a on a table. It's not breaking any laws, right? Right. You mm-hmm. Somebody has to install it. Correct. And then it's potentially breaking a law. But without catching somebody, is, the, is, that, a, is, that, a, is that a clean bust? You know, so mm-hmm. did, did the government just say, oh, look, we think that this thing changes the emissions, so we're going to fine you. Or did, mm-hmm. they, did they catch somebody that was driving around with an illegal tune according to the government, and if that's the case, why didn't they arrest the individual for driving a car that's not federally legal? And beyond that, does that mean that every one of these cars, because when you you buy a tuning device, it marries itself to the VIN so that you can't just open a tuning shop and tune all your friends' cars, so each device is locked to a car. Well, the government now knows, or can know, how many of these cars have been tuned because they can get access to all those VINs. So are the individual owners going to get a visit by Johnny Law saying you're in violation? <laughs> I, I guess it's within the realm of possibility if, if it goes that deep. Um, I hope it doesn't. Well, no, and I, I don't want to give anybody any ideas yeah. here, but it, but it just yeah. seems like, you know, there are illegal products out there that are not illegal until they've been used. Correct. And then you still got to, you know, are you breaking the law by using them? Well, that, that's mm-hmm. one thing, but how do you get caught, you know, is the next one. And is a law broken if nobody catches it? You know, it is, but from a, a process. Well, is it illegal if you're in a state that, I mean, do, I, I, not all 50 states require emissions testing, do they? Testing. They have standards, but they don't necessarily require testing. Right, right. The, emi- the emissions standards are federal. Right, true, true. I mean, how do they, how would they know? Well, that's, that's my point. If you're state that doesn't yeah. have testing, yeah. And, and, and I'm not advocating breaking any laws, but, but along that logic, if, if you are doing something illegal that you have not gotten caught for, and all of a sudden, just the nature of you contextually now fit into this class that could be breaking the law. Uh-huh. There's other laws that you have broken that you didn't get caught for. So a cop can pull up and say, 
I'm sure you broke a law at some point, so you're going to get a fine. Because <laughs> right. <know? laughs> right. there's no real burden of proof if it's just, you know, a consumer right. of a product. With, uh-huh. Without testing the car and vacuuming the tune out of it and analyzing it and mm-hmm. comparing it to a stock calibration, how do they know? Yeah. I, I, so all th- good points. This is this is kind of a quagmire in my mind, yeah. and and it's a scary one because again, and the preface is: look, I'm all for clean environment because clean cars. Uh-huh. The cleaner the car, generally, the, the more power and efficiency it makes, you know. Right, You don't exactly. want unburned fuel and too many hydrocarbons uh-huh. and all that stuff. So that, that aside, um, it's troubling if, if the EPA uh, is going that far to just start fining companies because who's next? All the rest of the tuning companies? And then is it... Yeah, All HP the, T, are they next? Oh, or yeah. HP Tuners, rather? Yeah, HP Tuners and EFI Live and Diablo yeah. Sport. And so, you know, does that mean that all those other manufacturers, uh, you know, are they going to go after all them? And then are they going to go after the retailers? Because isn't the retailer an accessory to that crime then? Right, right. they become complicit then, right? Right. And right. so that means your so first it's your your wholesalers and then your retailers and then and then why not go after the end user who bought it? You you bought something okay. illegal, you know. So I yeah. don't, I, I don't, my understanding of the the federal laws are limited, I'll admit that, and I don't want to mm. spread hype and propaganda. But mm. it, but it's always been my understanding that the EPA in particular kind of operates under their own set of Laws they they can right. kind of do as they choose in many ways. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when it comes to the environment, I mean, they they, they use that as their leverage. Yes, and it's it's an appointed entity. It's not elected. Mm-hmm. Right. And they just kind of go where they think the problems are, and mm-hmm. so so out of all this, um, you and I had talked briefly uh, about our stage presentation at the PRI show uh, in, in yes, Indianapolis in December. And this, this very topic is now turning into one of our roundtable discussions. Uh, oh, really? Yes. So uh, we are working to get some actual experts and not speculating jerks in their garage not, like you and not I. Not armchair experts. <laughs> people sitting behind the wheel of their busted-down car <laughs> trying to tell people what's what. What's legal. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you what. The government, it's all a conspiracy, man. <laughs> oh, man. I need to... Uh, They're tracking you, bro. Get some new, new foil for my new hat. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah not funny at the same time Uh, (laughs) no but seriously man (laughs) (laughs) yeah funny ha ha yeah okay Uh, gotta go so one of our uh our our tuning buddies uh mike norris uh who i mentioned before that we uh we use as a a resource He, he he's in to be on the panel and uh we're also trying to get some actual legal experts in this field um and or maybe a representative from uh from the aftermarket maybe from SEMA or somebody who Mm -hmm. is an advocate for uh for the little guy you know in the in the companies Mm -hmm. to help us help us make uh some sense out of all this because that's kind of spooky it is kind of spooky yeah and definitely need to stay ahead of this thing and not be caught off guard by you know legislation that kind of goes under the radar that really puts a hurting on these guys that are trying to you know help the help us hot riders out there who want to you know make a little more power make it cleanly do it not do it do it right yep yep um and it it gets into that whole licensing of your vehicle thing too you know Mm -hmm. and and that's that's been a big thing on the agricultural side for for years where john deere says you don't own that tractor. You you license that tractor. Yeah. And, and and the code that's in it, if you alter that, you violated your license, and you you're you're not privy to making modifications to the to the code because they wrote the code, so it's their code. Yeah. It's their intellectual property. And yeah, and I got the, a problem with that. Well, because you know mm-hmm. most people think, well, I bought it, so I own it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, 
and and that's a whole thing too you know what what's what's right mm-hmm. there uh, a lot of people think that well because that tractor uh, can uplink and be updated on its own you know you don't really own you didn't, you didn't buy the code you bought the tractor yeah uh, 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 we could uh, we could have a couple of shows over this kind of stuff this, oh yeah this this kind of stuff boils my blood you know, if, <laughs> if, you know what if I didn't buy this thing then you can give me my two hundred thousand dollars back I spent on this tractor have a nice day yeah and yeah, then yeah. you can have it back yeah. That, uh, yeah I got a big problem with companies who sell me something for at a premium and then say oh well you don't really own it uh, I do really own it. Yeah. If my name is on the title of that vehicle, guess what? I own it. Lock, stock, and barrel. There you go. That's 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 the way I think about it anyway. And if I want to alter a code and do something different with my tractor, I should be entitled to do that. It is, it's like that way with, uh, like, Apple hates third-party repair places to fix their phones or, or their MacBooks or any of that stuff. And they... And they do a lot to help prevent that kind of thing. They, they try to prevent parts from, from being imported. They try to arrest people because they think we should be the only ones that are allowed to fix these products. There are products, mm-hmm. even though we even though we're selling you this iPhone 10 for a thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, it's sketchy. And, and, you know, I know like on the code side. What if you told John Deere you can have your your tractor back and they say, well, you can have it. But we, we're just going to hold on to our code. You know, then you got something that does nothing. <laughs> right. Well, well, then that's where the aftermarket comes in with my aftermarket ECU, yes. my aftermarket code, and then I can do whatever I want. There you so go. Have you, a nice day. You're going to run your tractor on a mega squirt with an open that's source right. code. Heck yeah. Uh, and I'm sure some, I'm sure they are already. You know, I, I have yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. Tinfoil yeah. hat, man. There it is. Mm. <laughs> 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 all right, all right, all right. So. You know, off my soapbox. <laughs> most of the stuff that we do, in fact, just about everything we do, involves putting technology into cars that are legally not subject to the emissions standards anyway. Right. So although I've got an LS1 Camaro sitting there and a Coyote Mustang in a, in a 55 T-Bird or whatever it was, uh-huh. we can do whatever we want with that because yep. that current, the current laws are mm-hmm. the, the year of the car. Right mandates the standard for what it's tested against so uh-huh. we're, we think we're pretty safe there yeah not not the year of the engine but the year of the, of the frame the year of the car right right mm-hmm. and we're we're again on anything electronic it's always we're putting something newer in than the car you know mm-hmm. we have right we have yet to take a 2000 car and put a 1987 tpi engine in it <laughs> <laughs> Your phone's gonna ring for that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be illegal, apparently. So. Yeah, it would be illegal. Yeah, unless that TPI would pass the two thousand emissions. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well, always just, something, you know. You're right, man. That's what, what they tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. <laughs> so. Crazy stuff. Uh, that, to to me, it's gonna be fun though. It kind of adds adds another. Uh, worthwhile element to our our PRI presentation. Yeah, definitely uh, relevant. Yeah, and we're we're trying to be uh, uh, not just making noise on stage, but but doing something that people can get something out of. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I don't know if we discussed this last time either, but another another kind of seminar we're going to be doing there, more of a seminar than a roundtable, is on uh, on towing. Did we talk about that last time? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the yeah. fact that and, the government's uh, trying to make people become owner operators or commercial operators. Yes, yes, towing, yes. Towing so. their own personal vehicles. Yeah. We will do fun stuff too. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I got word from Jesse Combs uh, saying that she's probably not going to be there for the land speed oh, thing. Oh, drag. Uh, yeah, uh, she said we might be able to work something out, which I, I we'll try. We'll see because she's okay. she's got a lot to offer in that. In that respect, some great stories. Yeah, tremendous experiences going very, very fast. Uh, in fact, her email signature is signed Vroom, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, nice. then, and then Jesse underneath. So, yeah, it's, it's the real deal. I like it. I like it. So the plans are in full swing for that. Um, 
Uh-huh. Also for McCacken and uh, the After Hours Live Show and for SEMA. And uh, this could be a reason why I'm a little bit tired today, just trying to get all this stuff going. Because last night, you know, because we've got nothing to do, uh, no. uh, I got a visit at the shop from a gentleman named Phil Painter and his wife, Jill. And they run uh, uh, the, uh, the muscle car weekend in Vegas and also in St. Louis at Gateway. And these have evolved from, it used to be a Mopar show where it was a Mopar mm-hmm. drag race and car show. And now it's expanded to multi-makes. And it, it also has evolved into them hosting the Demon Hellcat Nationals and some World Challenge stuff. It's a great show, great event, lots of stuff to do. Uh, the Vegas one in particular is really neat because they have a car show in in downtown in, in you know, kind of the old Vegas, which is turn, yeah. turning over. Uh, and being revamped daily. And yeah. There's a uh, there's a, an event space there. It's called the D, and they've got a, a one square block infield that's all astroturf. Wow. And they have concerts and events and stuff there. And, and this is where their car show has been. Uh, and all they right. have a huge stage with a band, and, and they handpick you know about 100 130 cars to be there. Uh, and then outside this event, they also have cars parked up and down both sides of the street and everything. And uh, all the magazines are there and there's Internet coverage and, and all that nice. stuff. And then the rest of the weekend is drag racing at the Vegas Strip at the Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, but anyway, Phil and his wife uh, stopped by to talk to us about uh, doing some maybe some promotional work for them and, and okay. maybe some stuff out there at the event. Um which uh, is in March. So we'll have a little bit of a, a throttle back yeah. from doing events at the end of this yeah. year, but I think we're going to go full speed into 2019 and maybe work with them for a while on some stuff. So dig it, yeah, dig it. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, man. Yeah. You are definitely a Rolling Stone man. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need a couple days off at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, another vacation. Yeah, right. Well, it ain't, and it ain't just me. I mean, everybody in our shop is going full speed ahead, building cars. Kelly mm-hmm. managing the, the, the business and, and some growth areas in the company and everything. And it's mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting. There's always something something going on. To me, I, I start to get a little panicky because there's, there's a ton of details with all of these projects. Details with the customer cars, details yeah. with these events, details with our show and our our normal productions and when i get too many of them going at once i start to feel like did i miss a detail oh right you know? I, I know i know you got you feel like you got a ton of balls juggling in the air like i'm gonna drop one of these oh boy yeah so yeah. i've been you know trying to stay focused on this stuff i think we're doing okay i don't think we, we haven't dropped any so that's good but uh good. <laughs> it's an exciting time there's just uh, yeah lots going on it is exciting. Uh, you know, when, when we talked last time, uh, I, I asked about the the '67 GTO that you're that you have in the shop and, and its progress. And after we after we uh, finished, I went to the website the next day and I looked at the whole gallery of pictures just for that car, the hundreds of pictures. Oh yeah, that were taken for that car. And I was almost tired after looking at all those pictures. I can't. And I was thinking. That is a lot of work being done on that car. I can't oh, yeah. imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine the scope of work required to bring the car from where it was to where it's going to be. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It you know and and, and the the funny thing about it is we're not doing some super over the top custom. Right. We're just doing a really solid nice car. Uh-huh. And from from the from the day it arrived, you know, we've been paying attention to details, and that's uh-huh. they take time, and they got to be done right, and everything's got to uh-huh. got to go well. And yeah, you're. I think there's. Oh, I, I'm guessing. I think there's about ten ten or twelve pages to that gallery, yeah, yeah. and I think there's an average of about two hundred and twenty pictures per page. Ooh. So did I say hundreds of pictures? I sh- I should have said thousands. Yeah, of pictures. yeah, yeah. About twenty five hundred, I think, right now. Holy cow! Yeah. Holy cow! And that's you know typical for where that car is as far as the amount of photography. 
Mm-hmm. And we talked about that on a previous episode too, that, you know, mm-hmm. it, yep. t- it takes, takes quite a bit to keep all that going. And, you know, if you visit our gal- galleries, <clears throat> you'll notice that I'm slowly getting the, the older cars added in and getting the right. older galleries evolved into the technology. So mm-hmm. it's getting there. What usually gets me is somebody will call and, and Rod and our, our, our marketing guy will come storming into my office and he'll say, this guy's looking for the picture of the, uh, you know, the, the 78 Trans Am that we did uh, three years ago and he can't find the uh-huh. picture. And it's like, yeah, because I haven't migrated that gallery yet. So then, boom, I got to do that one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> which is, which <laughs> nice. is why they're there. Um, and it's good. Yeah. It's good. But uh, there, there is light at the end of that tunnel. So Good. Good. Yeah, that just really just really impressed me just really going through everything you know i'll look at it i'll look at some things here and there mm-hmm. but rarely do i sit down and really take it all in and go through it all and and you can see it evolving as you know from the time it came off the trailer till till right now it's in that sprayable epoxy right it's uh it, i think it will be tomorrow it's um just finishing up some little uh, filler details here and there uh yes yeah we're so looking forward to seeing that thing in color. Oh, me too. Uh, me too. Yeah. yeah but yeah, the, the, it was a, quite a journey on that car. We replaced a lot of steel on it and, um, you know, all the, everything underneath, you know, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. That guy's going to be my new best friend. He doesn't live far <laughs> from you. So when that car yeah, is done, yeah, I heard you know. I heard he's in my neck of the woods. So, yeah. uh, well, the other cool thing about that is I think as a customer to be able to go and take that journey whenever they want from start to finish mm-hmm. it kind of brings the context back of what this what this car was when we started with it you know because all too often you lose sight of how bad it was until you're reminded mm-hmm. by those pictures you know and you think back and go why the heck did this thing take so damn long you know mm-hmm. and then you go oh right there oh, was there was that's this why. And, then, and there was this, and oh, yeah. Because they went over every square inch of every piece of this car. Right. And, yeah. and we're happy to show those details, and, and uh, you know, we got nothing to hide. We're proud of that work. So, yeah. so the customer can be. go, yeah, yeah, it took them a little while to do, but look at, look, look, look at yeah. page 14, you know. Yeah. Look, look at, Check that out. Look at page nine. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? what uh, I, I actually learned something too. I saw that you replaced the whole. The entire quarter, the one-piece quarter panel mm-hmm. on there, and, with, and that included the C-pillar. And I saw a, sh- a side shot of it, and I wondered, I wonder what they do on the on the inside of that C-pillar with that, that meets the window, mm-hmm. the rear window. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I'm like, wonder, wonder if they had to fabricate a piece or do whatever. And then I saw another angle, and that whole quarter includes yep. that, that return. To yes. the window, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. Well, and I think that's why that panel was so long in development. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot, a lot of angles on that. Yeah, it, it needs to wrap all the way around and then become yeah. a flat flange for the glass. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. It's a tricky one. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this behemoth I'm sitting in right now needs that in a bad way. You can see all the rust bubbles under the vinyl top yeah. on the ridge of that thing, and then. Uh, uh, where the where the trim is on the on the trunk and all that oh that hurts that yeah hurts. just keep it dry it's in the garage you know yeah oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it doesn't get wet it hasn't gotten worse i feel pretty good at that that my 70 riv i've been able to kind of hit the pause button on that car in its mm-hmm. its life cycle because uh it's been garaged and I think this thing's been, it's been barn stored most of its life. It, it came off right. a farm. Um, but thank, thank God I've been able to keep the thing inside because there's nothing worse than seeing a car that you care about decrease. Languish. Yes, yeah. languish. <laughs> Wane. Uh, Wane, if you will. <laughs> it's a waning episode of yeah, Being Radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at, at least, you know, you can kind of pause that, that aging process if it's, cared yeah. for to a certain extent yeah for sure yeah it stays it, it'll only come out of the garage if i have to sweep or clean out on a nice day so, yeah yeah so it doesn't get wet or anything which is nice but your uh your rib is looking pretty sweet and since you 
you clay barred it and waxed it up nice and buffed it. It looks dynamite. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's funny. I've, I've had this car for three years, this particular one. And, really? Uh, yeah, I got it in 15. It is. Did you really? Yeah. I would have sworn you've only had it about a year. Yeah, I know. Well, I've only waxed it twice, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it in 15. And uh, I, oh. I haven't had time to do much with it, so... The other day, I pulled it out and uh, did mothers. You know, most of the wax companies have you know multi-step things, and I, I happen to have their their cleaner wax and their sealer and glaze and their some of their mm-hmm. synthetic wax. So, uh, I I used to be the guy that could spend an entire day polishing or a whole weekend, you know, doing mm-hmm. everything, and I just don't have the time anymore. So, my yeah. my speedier approach is when I clay bar something. I have this attachment that goes on the hose that shoots soap foam Mm -hmm. and I'll foam the car up and and wash it, you know, with a mitt and then I'll foam it up again and use that foam as the clay bar lube. Oh, perfect. Instead of the spray detail bottle that that usually comes with those kits. Uh, Uh And I'll save the spray detailer for the spray detail function later. Uh But you can clay a car and a car this big in about 15 minutes, you know, if you really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there was a video we had on how to do that. I, I should do another one, uh, foam it up and just drag your clay over it and boom, you're in and you're out. And then, uh, yeah. from there I use this device. It's called a wax master. It's a random orbital pad, electric polisher. Yeah. It's, it's not a buffer. It doesn't spin. It just kind of, you know, right. jitters. And, uh, I'll, I'll use that, uh, you know, whatever the first, liquid product uh, on a terry cloth pad and you can do the whole car in 10 minutes with that you know just buzz over the whole thing and then i hand wipe that off and that takes a few minutes and then i'll move to the next step which is a little bit finer of a, a sealer and then uh-huh. after that the the synthetic wax and uh, or a carnuba liquid carnuba and right. I, I honestly think between the beginning of turning the hose on to wash the car to yeah. to the you know and then I, I, sh- I chamois it dry in between but uh from the beginning to the end of that process was honestly about an hour and a half worth of labor time. Come on, that's yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it was pretty huge. Uh, just a system I've developed over the years. Now I didn't I didn't chrome polish all the trim and you know mm-hmm. do, do all that. I treat all the rubber. A lot of times you do know, the silicone right. or rubber and stuff, but. But yeah, it, it looks good in the pictures on online. You know, it looks dynamite, man. It looks, <laughs> looks looks brand spanking new. You look in person and you can see all the checking and you know yeah. some of the dings and dents. But it's you know original paints. Yeah, They've never yeah. been wrecked. So. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta check a little bit. Lacquer paint. Yeah. We talked about this. We have. All righty. Well, I'm uh, I'm curious about our trivia questions here. Oh. Okay. All right, man. Um, I asked you. What was the first piece of pollution control equipment used on automobiles in the United States? And as a bonus, uh, I gave you, I, I, I allowed you to give the year. And you answered the air injection pump, right? Yeah. And you said, what, 67? Sure. 66? Sure. Um, unfortunately, that's not correct. Yeah. Well, but you're, you're close. The, the the air pump um, was mandated in 1966, mm-hmm. um, but the first piece of pollution control in 1961 was the PCV valve. Which I did say. Which you did say. Yes. But was not your answer. Right. And I, yeah. I kind of knew that, so that's all good. Yeah. So, yeah, that was I was just reading about that today. I'm like, that's... that's I, there's a good trivia question in here somewhere. So, and I'll tell you what: if you took that PCV valve off, the black helicopters did not land in your yard. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike today, my friend. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I was reading this thing about how California adopted was given a a, a waiver to uh, put out their own emission standards. Because they were typically a lot more stringent than the, the than the federal ones. Well, they had a big and problem out there too. They had a huge yeah with the smog problem was yeah. ridiculous. And then the government would typically follow suit a few years later and adopt those standards that that California did the years before, and they're still doing it today. Yeah, yeah. So, 
All right. Well, that one doesn't really hurt my feelings that much. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good question. It is a great question. All right, thank you. I'm finally back on track. Yes. All right. not asking cheeseball dumb questions. Yeah, right. Like this one. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so my question to you was uh, an option on the 1958 Pontiac was called the Sportable. Sportable. And uh, wh- what was it? And your guess was power quarter windows. Yeah. Yeah. Woo-woo. Which, uh, <laughs> which are a really cool option, but not sportable. Yeah. Uh-huh. The sportable <laughs> option <laughs> was a transistor AM radio that you would slide what? out of the dashboard. Come on, we did talk about this. I told you that. <laughs> and my blow punks, my blow punks, it pulled out of the dash. Yeah, but listen how great this was because you'd slide out of the dash and it had its own batteries and its own antenna and it was a radio. You could listen to Come it. Come on. Yes, yeah, yeah. So the the sportable was a play on portable. Uh, and you could pull it out, and the, there's a neat, neat Pontiac old picture where they've got this uh, guy in a scale on a on a beach blanket, although he's in a like a dinner jacket, <laughs> and they're listening. With an ascot. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. And 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 she's pouring him coffee out of a thermos, you know, after making a picnic, and they're listening to their sportable uh, AM transistor radio. And when so you. It had an integrated speaker in it and everything. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a, a oh my god, you know, a a, a a twenty year more modern portable radio, essentially. Yeah. And then when you pulled it out of the dash, a little chrome door, I think, flipped up to cover the hole. So, wow. so this is far more engineered than like yeah. the Blaupunk that you had and I had in the eighties sure. and in the Alpine stuff, which just left a gaping hole and it didn't do anything when it came out. Right. You know, how cool would that have been if, if that was a, a portable CD player? Oh, that would have been a trick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Well, your boys at Pontiac really led the way on that. Boom. And if you want one, there's a, a couple on eBay right now. Oh, I stagger to know what well, the pricing is on that. Well, you might be surprised. There, there's one that claims to be a working unit on eBay right now for like 180 bucks. Get out of here. That's it. Here's the here's the rub. Uh-huh. If you don't have the rest of the car, it's kind of useless. I mean, you could put batteries in it and listen to it as a radio. Right. But unless your car has the chrome housing and there's a right. there's a special flat plug on the back of this thing that it slipped in, you know, and made mm-hmm. the connection. There's another one on eBay that actually has the receptacle for the oh, dash. Oh, okay. With, sure. with power and knobs and everything, and it has the chrome trim. And the guy actually just cut the middle of the dash out of a 58 Pontiac. And Ooh. he's got all the knobs, and he's got the sportable, and he's got the receptacle. And that one is, it's only 84 bucks for 24 months. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's looking to get two grand nice. out of that one right now. Good heavens. Yes. Wow. But it's neat. Wow. You know what? If you had a 58 Pontiac, oh. that would be a neat option to have. I, I would have to have it. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. So what was the Oldsmobile name for that? Uh, the, the Oldsmobile name, which I thought was a little bit of a giveaway, um, it won. Let me make sure I get this right. It was called the... Tra- pull out radio. <laughs> no, it, well, yeah. It was called the Transistor Portable or Transportable. Uh. So that I think that, you know... That's a little bit of a giveaway. Yeah. I, I would have probably still got it wrong because I would never have, it would have never dawned on me that that technology existed back then. No. And, and I still am trying to figure out if um, in the Pontiac version, I think essentially the center of the, when you pulled the thing out, mm-hmm. uh, it basically was like removing the radio. Later versions of the Pontiac one, um, it seems like the trans the, the 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 sportable part was in a different part of the dash, and the original radio is still in place. Oh, okay. So it was almost a, an add-on type accessory. Sure, um, sure. But uh, interesting nonetheless. Pretty cool. It, it, that is pretty cool. Cool question. Yeah. Crappy answer, but cool question. Yeah. Well, we can thank our <laughs> friend Tom tomorrow. Who I don't know. If, I don't know if you've ever met Tom. Tom's one of the editors at uh, Hemmings. 
And he had okay. a little story on this online, and that's where I saw it. Oh. So, well, thanks, Tom. Credit where it's due. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me to whoop your ass. Real good <laughs> next time I see you, Tom. <laughs> Tom's a guy you don't want to get in a trivia contest with. I'll tell you right now. Oh, <laughs> good lord. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's funny Tom's actually written some features about some cars that we have built in our uh, is that right yeah over the years it's good good dude cool alright well this was fun this was fun Got yeah, a little, this was a good time a little bit weird in the uh, government regulation thing but st- yeah, st- stuff that needs weird. to be discussed that's right man it's, it's pertinent it's relevant it's now <laughs> it's literally happening now it's real time yeah yeah uh, so I'd like to throw a shout out to our, our, uh, our friends and our fans that listen to the show. We always appreciate it. We, we fully encourage, uh, comments and feedback. You can leave comments, uh, on our Facebook page and our, our website at v8radio.com, uh, below the article where the, where the episode lives. And, um, you can also subscribe to this on iTunes uh, through the iTunes podcast thing, uh, Google Play, the uh, TuneIn Radio app, Stitcher Radio app. Uh, so lots of different ways to be able to consume this, and and we thank everybody for for clicking that subscribe button and actually doing that because uh, we we do get some good feedback. We we had a comment from uh, a person the other day who was she saw the picture of my Riv on the facebook page and said oh that's the car you're talking about so oh uh, yeah yeah it was a, an interesting reminder that not only do people listen but they retain and they remember because it's been a yeah. while since we talked about that car and uh, mike and i agreed that we we need to put more pictures up from the episodes to give people a little visual connection here and there so mm-hmm. we will do that absolutely absolutely all right man well this was another fun one Yes, it was. Enjoyed it. Yep, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, to the next one. And uh, until then, try and try and keep the shiny side up on V8 Radio. <laughs> <laughs>